0: BetterHelp.com. You deserve to be happy. Types of therapy: individual, couples, teens, the world's largest therapy service, 100% online, professional, licensed, and vetted therapists who you can trust. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced therapists who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. With BetterHelp's therapists, you get the same professionalism and Quality you will expect from an in-office therapist but with the ability to communicate when and how you walk. Get matched to the best therapist for your for you. Answer a few questions to find a therapist who fits your needs and purposes. Tap into their largest network of licensed professional board-certified providers. Communicate your way. Messaging, chat, phone, video. Talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable. Therapy when you need it. Message your therapist anytime from anywhere. No scheduling needed. Schedule a live session at a time that's convenient for you. Connect from your phone, tablet, or computer. Good morning. Hope you had a good week. Today's Florida story is Edith Wilson, life, second wife of President Woodrow Wilson. Edith Wilson D. E. formerly Galt, October 15, 1872, December 28, 1961, was the First Lady of the United States from 1915 to 1921 and the second wife of President Woodrow Wilson. She married the widower Wilson in December 1915 during his first term as President. Edith Wilson played an influ- influential role in President Wilson's administration following the severe stroke he suffered in October 1919. For the remainder of her husband's presidency, she managed the office of the president, a role she later described as a stewardship, and determined which communications and matters of state were important enough to bring to the attention of the bedridden president. Early life Edith Bowling was born October 15, 1872, in Wyattville, Virginia, to Circuit Court Judge William Holcomb Bowling and his wife, Sarah Sally Spears Knee White. Her birthplace, the Bowling home, is now a museum located in Whiteville's Historic District. Bowling was a descendant of the first settlers to arrive at the Virginia Colony, though through her father, she was also a descendant of Matawaka, better known as Pocahontas, the daughter of Wahansanaka, the Paramount, Were sons of the poet the Confederacy. On April 5, 1614, Madoc the renamed. Rebecca, following her conversion to Christianity the previous year, married John Rolfe, the first English settler in Virginia to cultivate tobacco as an export commodity. Their granddaughter Jane Wall, married Robert Balling, a wealthy slave owner, owning planter and merchant. John Balling, the son of Jane Rolfe. Robert Bowling had six surviving children with his wife Mary Cannon. Each of those children married and had surviving children. In addition, she was related either by blood or through marriage to Thomas Jefferson, Martha Washington, Letitia Tyler, and the Harrison family. Edith was the seventh of eleven children, two of whom died in infancy. The Bowlings were some of the oldest members of Virginia's slave-owning planter elite before the American Civil War, After the war ended and slavery was abolished, Edith's father returned to the practice of law to support his family, unable to pay taxes on his extensive properties, and forced to give up the family's plantation seat. William Holcomb Bowling moved to Whiteville where most of his children were born. The Bowling household was a large one and Edith grew up within the confines of a sprawling Family. In addition to eight surviving siblings, Edith, Edith's grandmother, aunts, and cousins also lived in the Bowling household. Many of the women in Edith's family lost husbands during the war. The Bowling had been stout supporters of the Confederate States of America, were proud of their Southern planter heritage, and in early childhood taught Edith in the post-Civil War South's narrative of the lost cause, as, a, as was the, often the case among the plenary elite, the Bolings, justified slave ownership, saying that the persons they, that they owned had been content with their lives as chattel and had little desire for freedom. Children of Education Edith had little formal education while her sisters were enrolled in local schools. Edith was taught how to read and write at home. Her paternal grandmother, Ann Wigington, Boling, played a significant role in her education. Crippled by a spinal, injury, spinal cord injury, Grandmother Bowling was confined to bed. either was responsible for washing her clothing, turning her in bed at night, and looking after her 26 canaries. In turn, Grandma Bowles oversaw Edith's education, teaching her how to read, write, basic math skills, speaking a hybrid language of French and English, making dresses, and instilled in her a tendency to make quick judgments and hold strong opinions, personality traits. Edith would exhibit her entire life. William Bowling read classic English letters aloud to his family at night, hired a tutor to teach Edith, and sometimes took her on his travels. The Bowling family attended church regularly, and Edith became a lifelong practicing Episcopalian. When Edith was fifteen, her father enrolled her at Martha Washington College, a precursor of Emory and & Henry, and Henry College, a finishing school for girls in Abingdon, Virginia. William Holcomb Bowling chose it for his excellent music program. Edith proved to be an undisciplined, ill-prepared student. She was miserable there, complaining of the school's austerity. The food was poorly prepared, the rooms too cold, and the daily curriculum excessively rigorous, intimidated, and too strictly regimented. Edith left after only one semester. Two years later, Edith felt enrolled her at Powell School for Girls in Richmond, Virginia. Years later, Edith noted that her time at Powell's was the happiest time of her life. Unfortunately, for Edith, the school closed at the end of the year after the headmaster suffered an accident that cost him his leg. Concerned about the cost of Edith's education, William boy refused to pay for any additional schooling, choosing instead to focus on educating her three brothers. First marriage. While visiting her married sister in Washington, D.C., Edith met Norman Galt, 1864-1908, a prominent jeweler of Galt and brothers. The couple married on April 30, 1896 and lived in the capital for the next 12 years. In 1903, she bore a son who lived only for a few days. A difficult birth led her, left her unable to have more children. In January 1908, Norman Galt died unexpectedly at the age of 43. Edith hired a manager to oversee his business, paid off his debts, and with the income left to her by her late husband, toured Europe. First Lady of the United States married to Woodrow Wilson in March 1915 The widowed Galt was introduced to recently widowed U.S. President Woodrow Wilson at the White House by Helen Woodrow Bones, 1874-1951. to 1951. Bones was the president's first cousin and served as the official White House hostess after the death of Wilson's wife, Ellen Wilson. Wilson took an instant liking to Galt and proposed soon after meeting her. However, rumors that Wilson had cheated his wife with Galt threatened the burgeoning relationship. Gossip that Wilson and Galt had murdered the first lady further troubled the couple. Distressed at the effect such well speculation could have on the authenticity of the president and the respectability of his reputation, Wilson proposed to either and Galt back out of their engagement. Instead, she insisted on postponing the wedding until the end of the official year of mourning for Alan Axon Wilson. Wilson and Mary Gill on December 18, 1915 at her home in Washington, D.C. attended by 40 guests, the group's pastor, Rev. Dr. James H. Keller of Central Presbyterian Church and the bride's Rev. Dr. Herbert Scott Smith of St. Mark's Episcopal Church, Washington, D.C. performed the wedding jointly. Early role as First Lady As First Lady during World War I, Edith Folling Wilson of Observed gasless Sundays, meatless Mondays, and wheatless Wednesdays to set example for the federal rationing effort. Similarly, she set sh- she set sheep to gaze on the grounds of the White House law rather than use manpower to mow it, and had their wool auctioned off for the benefit of American Red Cross. Additionally, Edith Wilson became the first lady, first first lady to travel to Europe during her term. She visited Europe with her husband on two separate occasions in 1918 and 1919 to visit Europe and decide the Treaty of Versailles. During this time, her presence amongst the female loyalty of Europe helped to submit America's status as a world wo- as a world power and propelled the pro- position of First Lady to an equivalent standing in international politics. Though the first the new First Lady had sad qualifications for the role of hostess, the social aspect of the administration was overshadowed by the war in Europe and abandoned after the United States formally entered the conflict in 1917. Edith Wilson submerged her own life and her husband's trying to keep him fit under this tremendous strain and accompanying him to Europe when the Allies conferred on terms of peace. The increased role after her husband's stroke. Following his attendance at the Paris Peace Conference in 1919, Woodrow Wilson returned to the United States to campaign for Senate approval of the peace treaty and the League of Nations Covenant. However, the President suffered a stroke in October, leaving him bedridden and partially paralyzed. The United States never did ratify the Treaty of Versailles nor or joined the League of Nations, which had initially been Wilson's concept at the time. non sentiment was strong. Edith Wilson and others in the president's inner circle, including his position and a few close friends, did the true extent of the president's illness and disability from the American public. Edith also took over several routine duties and details of the executive branch of the government from the onset of Wilson's illness until he left office almost a year and a half later. From October 1919 to the end of Wilson's term on March 4, 1921, Edith, acting in the role of First Lady and Shadow Steward, decided who would and which communications and matters the state were important enough to bring to the bedridden president. Edith Wilson later wrote, I studied every paper sent from the different secretaries or senators and tried to digest and present in tabloid form. The things that despite my vigilance had to go to the president, I myself never made a single decision regarding the disposition of public affairs. The only decision that was mine was what was important and what was not, and the very important decision." Of when to present matters to my husband, Edith became the sole communication link between the president and his cabinet. She required to send her all pressing matters, memos, correspondence, questions, and requests. Edith took her role very seriously, even successfully pushing for the removal of Secretary of State Robert Lansing after he conducted a series of cabinet meetings without the president or Edith herself present. She also refused to allow the pres- British ambassador. Ever Gray an opportunity to present his credentials to the President. Elizabeth Gray dismissed an aide who was known to have made demeaning comments about her. She assisted President Wilson in filling out paperwork and would often add new notes to the she made privy to classified information and was entrusted with the responsibility of encoding and decoding e- encrypted messages. Controversy? in my memoir, In my memoir, Published in 1939, Edith Wilson justified her self-proclaimed role of presidential steward, arguing that her actions on behalf of Woodrow Wilson's presidency were sanctioned by Wilson's doctors as they told her to do so for her husband's mental health. Edith Wilson maintained that she was simply a vessel of information for President Wilson. However, others in the White House did not trust her. Some believed that the marriage between Edith and Woodrow was hasty and controversial. Others did not approve of the marriage because they believed that Woodrow and Edith had become communicative with each other. Well, Woodrow was still married to Ella Wilson. In 1921, Joel Tumulty Wilson's chief of staff wrote, No public man ever made a more devoted helmet, and no wife a husband more dependent upon her sympathetic understanding of his problems. Mrs. Wilson's strong physical con- constitution combined with strength, with the strength of character and purpose and, and has sustained her under a strain which must have worked most women. In subsequent decades, However, scholars were more, far more critical in their assessment of Edith Wilson's tenure as First Lady Phyllis Lee Levin concluded that the effectiveness of Woodrow Wilson's policies were unnecessarily hampered by his wife, a woman of narrow views and formal determination. Judith Weaver opined that Edith Wilson underestimated her role in Wilson's presidency. While she may not have made critical decisions, she did influence both domestic and international policy given her role as presidential gate. Keeper, Dr. Howard Mark Markel, our medical historian, has taken issue with Edith Wilson's claim of a benign stewardship. Markell has opined that Edith Wilson was essentially the nation's chief executive teller her husband's second term concluded in March, 1921, uh, March, in March of 1921, while widow of modern education of her time, she nevertheless attempted to protect her husband and his legacy, if not the president, even if it meant exceeding her role as First Lady, the period of her life was this period of her life was dramatized in the twenty twenty one historical fiction podcast Edith, starring Rosamund Pike. Later years, upon leaving the White house in March nineteen twenty one, Edith and the former president moved into a home on S Street Northwest in Washington, DC. There she cared for him until his death on February third, nineteen twenty-four. And so took her years she headed the women's national democratic club's board of governors when the club opened formally in 1924 and published her memoir in 1939. On December 8, 1941, the day after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, President Franklin D. Roosevelt asked Congress to declare war, seeking pains to draw a link with Wilson's April 1917 Declaration of War. Edith Wilson was present during Roosevelt's address to Congress. On April 14, 1945, she attended Roosevelt's funeral at the White House. She later attended the January 20, 1961 inauguration of President John F. Kennedy. Ethan Wilson died of congestive heart failure on December 28, 1961 at age 89. She was to have been the guest of honor that day at the Dedication ceremony for Woodrow Wilson Bridge across the Potomac River in Maryland and Virginia. And on what would have been her husband's 105th birthday, she was buried next to her husband at the Washington National Cathedral. Legacy? Wilson left her home to the National Trust for Historic Preservation was a condition that it been made into a museum, honoring her husband. The Woodrow Wilson House opened as a museum in 1964. To the Library of Congress, Mrs. Wilson donated first President Wilson's presidential papers in 1939, and then his library in 1946. The Edith Bowling Wilson Birthplace Foundation and Museum in Wyethville, Virginia was established in 2008. The Foundation has stabilized the established 1st first place and Childhood Home. It had been identified in May 19, 2013 by Preservation Virginia as an endangered historic site. The Foundation's programs and exhibits aspire to build public borders honoring Mrs. Wilson's name, the contributions she made to this country, the institutions for the Presidency, and for example, she sets for women. The Foundation shares First Lady Mrs. Wilson's journey from Whiteville to the White House. In 2015, a former historic bank building in Wyethville located on Main Street was dedicated to the First Lady and bears her name adapted as a Bowling Wilson Hotel. It serves Wyethville residents and travelers alike. Thanks for listening to this episode on First Lady Edith Wilson. Have a good week and stay safe.